the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we've got a story today. It's not Chris Christie running for president. It's uh, it's not, uh, who else is running? Mike Pence running for president. It's not anybody running for president. It's uh, a story about Trump. As usual, Trump. Uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. Welcome to the Pro America Report. Pro America Report. It's great to be with you. I'm Ed Martin. You can go over to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up there for the daily email. The daily email is called the daily wink. What you need to know. And you'll get that there at ProAmericaReport.com. Please sign up. Follow me on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin on uh, the old Facebook machine, Ed Martin Live and uh, anywhere else. You go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. You'll see all of our stuff writing there. Um, so the news that's so funny, I'm, I'm smiling about it. Uh, but it is so funny to see, I don't know, a week or two ago, uh, something like that. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, maybe it's longer. I'm sorry. I take it back. I'm looking at the notes. Uh, I'm looking at the notes incorrectly. About a year ago, Donald Trump uh, wrote a message and the message said, um, that, uh, the PGA folks should go ahead and, um, uh, sign on to live this live tour. Um, so this is July of 2022. Donald Trump on his Truth Network, he says all of the golfers that remain loyal to the very disloyal PGA will pay a big price when the inevitable merger with Liv comes. So Liv is the European-based, I guess Saudi Arabian-based uh, golf tour that plays uh, simpler rounds of golf, uh, three instead of four rounds for tournaments, um, is a little bit more friendly to the uh, to the golfers, I guess you'd say. Anyway, uh, in July of last year, Trump says you better get on um, and be uh, uh, on the live thing because it's going to go that direction. Well, today, that's what happened. Uh, the live golf tour is uh, merging with the PGA. Trump, of course, goes out all caps one year after his first prediction. He says, great news from live golf, a big, beautiful, glamorous deal for the whole wonderful world of golf. Congrats to all. And then he retweets a story from the Daily Caller that says exactly what um, uh, this, you know, the background of this story. Um, Donald Trump perfectly predicted PGA Tour live golf merger uh, and said the play PGA players would regret not going to live. I guess it's live, live or live. I don't know. Anyway, L-I-V. But here's the thing. Here's what I want to say. Here's what you need to know. At this point in his career, is there any doubt that Donald Trump is a, you know, seriously talented guy. I mean, at this point, it's it's not luck when you repeatedly uh, figure out how things work based on how people operate and make things better. The Abraham Accords, even the Biden administration agrees that they're great, right? Um, we had Kim Jong-un settle down, not throwing bombs or launching missiles because I think Trump treated him well. You had even Russia was behaving. They didn't invade anybody. We didn't have any wars. He's he is just at this point. He's good at things. Now, let me tell you something. When I worked for governor, the governor of Missouri, Governor Matt Blunt, I was the chief of staff. And when you're the chief of staff to a, an executive like that, a, a governor or a, even the president, I suppose you have to make 
about 95% of the decisions that are happening, and you have to make them for the governor, for the executive, in place of, because he's got to take the 5% of the decisions that are really hard, that you actually have to ask him. We can't really tell what you would want to do. It's a no-brainer. When somebody came into my office when I was Governor Matt Blunt's chief of staff, and they said, we got an idea, we're going to raise taxes. Easy answer, not going to raise taxes. When someone came in and said, hey, we really want to do something that helps uh, uh, the, the farmers, and and it's going to do some sort of coalition, we, we want to help the farmers. The, the governor's preferences, which were laid out in his campaign, as well as his many public appearances were something that we could we could discern and we could make judgments and the chief of staff is required to get better and better at channeling his boss so that he gets it right but on the hard decisions it's the it's the governor's job and over time people men and women who experience significant power and more importantly complex decision making and they they get better and better at it it's a little bit like riding a horse i rode a i've ridden a horse about 15 times in my entire life i'm not a good horse rider governor blunt my old boss he rode horses 15 times a week when he was growing up for hours at a time he's a good horseman i do i know if he's the michael jordan of horsemen i don't know i don't think so but he also is really good at it because he did it if you do something over and over again and you do it with some sense of uh, of uh, understanding and commitment and you do it well, you're going to get better and better at it. Similar with people who make high pressure, high information decisions, decisions that are impacted by who's in the room, who's telling you what and how you make things work. That's what a guy like Trump did for decades I'll never forget when I met Jeb Zucker. I only met him once. I was in his office in New York City, Columbus Circle. I was at that time hired by CNN to be a contributor. Jeff Zucker, then the head of CNN, invites me in. I sit on his couch. We're talking, and I say, what was it like to be the guy, Jeff Zucker, who hired the apprentice, Donald Trump? Jeff Zucker was at NBC. He went over to England. They bought the rights to this thing called The Apprentice, the show. They came to America. He hired Trump. And for more than a decade, Trump was number one in the, in the world in, in American TV ratings with the show, The Apprentice weekly show. And Jeff Zucker said, and he was not a fan of Trump. He said, Oh, Trump was obsessed. He was obsessed with being number one. And once he got to be number one, that's all he was obsessed with. He was obsessed with staying number one. He cared about how things looked and who said what and what the hair and who looked at. And he, and he said it like it was a negative, like he was being disparaging. And I thought, the guy's driven to be number one. Do you know how many rich people, business people, think they're going to be TV stars because they've been really good at business or really good at sports or something, and they've got lots of wealth and everybody's told them they're great, and they go to be on TV? Everyone wants to, and not very, not very many, very few are successes. And Trump was a success. He was a success in real estate, in licensing, in TV, and then in politics. And when he sees something like the PGA and the Live Tour, and he says to himself, this looks like the USFL when I was back in the, in, the, in the New Jersey, New York Generals days and the NFL and the AFL, and he's seen decades of experience. He's got a way to assess who's who and what's what. He's just good at it. He's just good at it. You don't have to like all the decisions. You don't have to like all of his tweets. But I have to tell you, you have to respect the ability 
and the ability is real. It's real and it's big time. And frankly, in a world that is overrun, if not overwrought, it's overrun by all the changes happening and all the players and all the things and people are feeling overwrought. You need somebody who knows how to make decisions and take complex things and, and predict what will happen. The economy is the best example. The economy is, people say that the, the Biden administration is trying to tell us the economy is doing fine. It's not doing fine. Nobody feels like it's doing fine. Nobody. Everybody's uncertain. Everybody's scared of what's next. Everybody's afraid of the mortgage crisis that could come, the rent crisis, uh, the housing crisis in general, uh, the the um, uh, wage uh, uh, gap, not wage gap, the, the wages are down. All these things. Anyway, what you need to know is, man, Trump has experienced, man, he's experienced. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk today with uh, John Schlafly. We'll get an update on his column and also a very interesting interview with Garrett Ziegler, who is the founder of Marco Polo, a consulting company that's kind of a transparency portal. He actually has told me in the past right now he feels a little bit like WikiLeaks because he has taken all of the Biden laptop uh, photos and emails, and he's put it all in a searchable database online. We'll talk with Garrett Ziegler in just a moment. You can visit his website, which has all that information there. It's BidenLaptopMedia.com, BidenLaptopMedia.com. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've told you a few times now, talked about it a couple times on the uh, on the show here, and also in that interview a few, about a week ago with uh, Brad Birkenfeld, that I was over at a special meeting, a Saturday morning, uh, gathered with some folks, and we went into this meeting. I wasn't sure exactly what to make of it. I figured, well, I, I'm the man that was running it, Garrett Ziegler, old friend of mine, he'd worked in the Trump White House, and, um, and so uh, we went to this meeting. Meeting, and we received this extraordinary book uh, that included the um, the breakout of the Hunter Biden laptop. And you can go to BidenLaptopMedia.com, Garrett's website, BidenLaptopMedia.com, and uh, see it right there. And uh, it's extraordinary. And now even more has come out. I mentioned yesterday on the show um, that Fox News had a piece over on their website that uh, that they're um, uh, over at BidenLaptopMedia.com. They're, they're posting tens of th- almost 10,000, uh, somewhere around 10,000 photos uh, and uh, from the Biden laptop. So our guest is, uh, is in fact, uh, Garrett Ziegler. Uh, welcome to the program. Garrett, how are you? Thank you for having me, sir. Appreciate it. And thank you for coming to that event. Yeah, it was great to see you. It was great to see you and great to see what's going on. So first of all, um, when you l- l- took on this project and the, the research uh, entities called Marco Polo does research and digs into this stuff, but the Biden laptop itself, I, I, for the listeners, how how big a project is that? Like a normal laptop, I, I don't know how many photos should it have, how many documents should it have. Was was the Biden laptop? Is the Biden laptop a particularly large thing? Is it particularly complicated? What's the contours of that sort of project before you get to what's on there? Mm-hmm. It's a very good question. The two two 
two ways that the Biden laptop is different than, say, you know, your uncle's MacBook that's sitting <laughs> on his dining room table. Right. Number one, it was extraordinarily disorganized. This was the laptop of a crack addict. And so when you look at the desktop, nothing is put together by topic or via uh, chronology. There's no organizing mechanism to it. And so when you talk about uh, tens of thousands of images, and emails it's it's as if you're going through an archaeological dig and so that's why it took so long and over a year of research that's the first uh, that's the first distinguishing feature of it is it's, it's the laptop belonging to a crack addict but number two it's a crack addict that happens to be the son of the most powerful man in the world and his work email belonging to his uh consulting firm rosemont seneca goes back all the way to 2008. So when he when he plugged in his email address to the Apple Mail app, you that email address alone had contained 112,000 emails. Wow. And you mentioned our photo site that just went up. BidenLaptopEmails.com has been up since May of 2022, and we put all 128,000 emails from the device online. And this was always our plan. We wanted to go through the material first, redact genitalia, social security numbers, et cetera, anything that would be a legal repost, and then eventually put it out to the public um, so they can go through it themselves so they're not getting a filter, right? I mean, our dossier, as you mentioned, the the book, it is our uh, sort of tour through the material, but if they if they don't trust our tour, if they want to get it themselves, they can always go look up the metadata themselves. And so that's what we think is unique about our group is that we're, we're putting out the, the, the data in its native format, sort of like what WikiLeaks is doing, although with Julian Assange in the pen, they're sort of at a standstill right now. So I, I think in key ways, we're a smaller version of WikiLeaks carrying the torch after Julian Assange was put in prison. Uh, that's very helpful, by the way. That's uh, thank thank you there at the very end. That that that's helpful way to say that because as you point out, there's there's a massive amount of 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 data of information here. Um, in the interview that I saw you do, uh, excuse me, in the interview on Fox News uh, uh, website, foxnews.com, you referred a couple different times to transparency. You actually referred to, which I don't think I knew, and you and I have been friends a while, that you, you're not a registered Democrat or Republican, um, and but but that transparency was the goal. In other words, if we were all misled by the 50-plus intelligence community members who claimed it was Russian disinformation, which we were, they've admitted it now, that was a, that was a trick that was done to the American people and aided by media and big tech. Um, your point is, hey, let's put all of this out there. Now, let me ask you a loaded question. You've been around now for years and at the highest level, the swamp. It is is what's ha- what you see in this laptop is it, it's different than what you, what other corruption, uh, what other, you know, uh, swamp behavior that you might know about uh, by orders of magnitude, I think. But one of the problems I worry about is that most of the American people look up and say they're all like that. And, you know, in other words, the swamp has created monsters, swamp monsters. One's president, that's for sure. But others are leaders in the Senate or leaders in the House or whatever. And it's hard to get people to focus on it. Am I am I overstating that? No, I think you're you're dead on. And I think part of it is 
I am a little bit weird in that if you're um, if you if you have OCD like I do, you sort of want to take the human refuse and examine its properties, and that's what we've done for a very long time. Where some people will just say, and a lot of people will just say, "Yeah, that's human refuse and disgusting, uh, you know, matter." I don't I don't want to examine its properties. I just know what it is. Whereas I want to sort of play with the Rubik's cube and learn exactly, uh, you know, where what, why, when, how it became that. Uh, so again, it's, we believe that to the degree that we can put this material out with zero redactions, we're going to do that. So for example, all of the email addresses in, in bidenlaptopemails.com are not redacted because it's not illegal. We don't we don't err on the side of redaction. I don't. Res- I truly do not respect the privacy of corrupt people. The only thing we're redacting is genitalia of the U.S. first family, which is would be illegal to release, and social security numbers, so people can't you know commit identity theft. And the reason why I'm answering your question in this way is, um, I don't want anybody to say that this group is guarding the like marco polo is guarding the information or they don't trust the american people to come up with their own conclusions Mm. i want them to see exactly what our group has seen but and i would just add one more thing that um it is different this corruption is different because joey is the president joey's always been corrupt 50 36 years in the senate he's always been corrupt but because he reached the presidency and through what I believe to be fraudulent means, he his corruption and his family's corruption matters more. It's just like if Bill had never been president, the Clintons would still be corrupt, but because he was the president, he got to totally, you know, reformed the FBI into his own corrupt image. And their actions have consequences that we can't even fully comprehend yet. We can't even fully comprehend the corruption that the Bidens are doing now. We don't, we don't know the third and fourth order consequences of the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal, just as one example. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Garrett Ziegler uh, about um, uh, his uh, efforts to uh, look uh, closely, extensively, um, systematically, say the important at the uh, Biden laptop. In this case, BidenLaptopMedia.com is a, a, a site where all the uh, photo uh, photographs that were on the Biden laptop are a Biden laptop email is it emails or email.com, Garrett? Emails, plural. Yes, sir. Okay, email. Biden emails. laptop Biden emails. Laptop yeah. emails. Biden laptop emails.com is where you can see all those emails. All right. So back to the back to the um uh, I believe in the in the report that the dossier that you produced, um, you know, you're you're not you're neither a prosecutor nor uh um, you know, a, a official in any capacity. So it's just a description of what you found. But there are an extraordinary number by your uh, your team's review of incidents and evidence of what would what would be called wrongdoing that, you know, you can call it crimes. You know, I think there was that's one of the ways to characterize it. What's the range of that? I mean, again, you know, and 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 how how would you describe what you found? I mean, even when I looked at the, uh, the dossier that you produced, even I, who has a pretty cynical uh, um, um, opinion of the Biden family, was stunned by it. So w- w- walk us through a little bit of that. Yes. So we have a, a an attorney on our board. Uh, he spent 25 years in the Navy, in the JAG Corps. He's semi-retired now. And so it was 
him and me and the other board members going through the device for over a year. And the bar, the, 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 the floor was very simple. We had to have two pieces of corroborating evidence in writing, right? So it's not for there to be a crime. And so it's not really our interpretation of it. If you have, if you can literally see the text message between Hunter Biden and the pimp, and then look at a screenshot of a Wells Fargo transaction. Like, for instance, I'm looking at one right now for $10,030 on June 12, 2018. I have the report in front of me. And you see the text message to the pimp saying that he's going to provide the female for this time. That uh, is, is clear as day. And so what we do in, in, a, in a very antiseptic fashion is simply list the statute at the federal and state level, put the phone number of the pimp, the district where the crime occurred in, in the date. And so people can, you know, people don't have to take our word for it that Hunter uh, violated this U.S. code. They can look at the screenshots and the text messages, which are right beneath that. Um, and the, the, the number you alluded to uh, is 459. I have to be very specific. That's 459 state and federal violations of statutes and regulations by the Bidens and their associates. And so it's really 459 that we can find on this device. Some are committed by Hunter's business colleagues, which are engaged with him in an active RICO conspiracy, basically to make FARA violations their business model and have Joe influence U.S. policy on behalf of their foreign oligarchs who fund them. And so it's really a, uh, a non-book um, format. We've been approached by a couple of publishers, but you would agree, Ed, that with all the footnotes, it's, it's really not in a book format. This is really yeah. sort of an academic tour yeah. of it. And That's we right. have had a bounty online for over six months. It was released in October 19th, 2022. We've had a $1,000 bounty for any writer and specifically left-wing writers to find one error in the dossier. We will write them a check. A donor has offered to write a check to them for $1,000 to find one error and nobody has came forward with one. Um, so and again, we're open to criticism. And if anybody wants to, if, if anybody's listening to this today and wants to try to get $1,000 Go through our, you know, because we want to make sure there are no errors in this. I want to be able to say this thing is rock solid. So, you know, if, if they go to MarcoPoloUSA.org, which is where the online, it's free to read online, totally free. They can go and, you know, follow each footnote and everything else. Uh, Garrett Siegler is our guest again, and uh, I'll make sure to put up on uh, social media, BidenLaptopMedia.com, uh, BidenLaptopEmails.com, uh, also both websites that have uh, lots of the research on this. Um, Garrett, uh, last uh, question. Uh, when As you produced all this stuff and have gone through it, you mentioned being transparent about it, about um, what you've got. You know, you're not manipulating it. Uh, it, it have you received any attention uh, from the authorities, either uh, law enforcement or even civil authorities about what uh, you found and how it's come together. I mean, did anybody call and say, Hey, we're actually digging into this. We need to know more about this. Have you been called and said, you're doing something really rotten. We're with the, you know, FBI and we think you should stop or what, what's been the response from government channels to what is this sort of uh, investigative journalist uh, uh, project? So we've had positive response from a couple of state level Republicans, specifically the attorneys general in Missouri and Louisiana. The federal level, I've obviously met 
with with uh, a couple congressmen and their staff, but nobody has a, has approached it with the vigor that I think they should. There are a lot of crimes that are within the statute of limitations that are still still able to be prosecuted, and they're just they don't have the uh, and unsurprisingly, and you and you alluded to this. I'm not a registered Republican just because I'm so jaded with the party. They have not approached it with the vigor. And this this stuff is on a silver platter, and they literally have text messages admitting the schemes, mm-hmm. and they will not open active investigations. And we mentioned that if we have subpoenas, all our report is is a roadmap. If you look at these text messages and say, "Well, heck, this is all laid out for us. This we even know who to subpoena." Like if you're an, if you're actually an LEO, a law enforcement you know officer, half of your time is figuring out who to subpoena because you don't want to throw out a you know a line in the pond and get nothing in return. So we literally tell them who they have to subpoena. <laughs> we can't make it easier for them. And there are, there are so many felonies from firearm violations to drug, to prostitution, to, to, uh, to money laundering. It's, it's really <laughs> a- absurd. Uh, well, listen, Garrett Ziegler, it's uh, fascinating what you found and how you put it together. I haven't I haven't yet spent more than a couple minutes on the on the uh, photos website, which, uh, again, I'll put up on social media. That website is BidenLaptopMedia.com. But I have uh, looked at the dossier and also the website BidenLaptopEmails.com, uh, both just incredible amount of research there. And I I salute you for the work. And I hope that more and more people are catching on uh, to what's happening and utilizing this uh, research to bolster the argument. So thanks for the time. Uh, we're out of time and I've got to run, but uh, Garrett Ziegler, everybody. And again, I'll put his links up on uh, uh, social media so you can get all that to uh, the uh, the information. Extraordinary, extraordinary stuff. All right, we'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes the weekly Schlafly Report with his brother, his brother, uh, Andy Schlafly, every week. Uh, runs all over the country, but is available at townhall.com, our sister site, and also available archived with all of his columns at phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, and John, uh, lots. I, I thought there was lots of things you could write on this week. Uh, it's very difficult. Uh, you, you've commented on it before, but it, it's a real challenge to write a column that you know, while you're writing it, the a day or two before it's publishing, you know, that has some staying power. So I, you know, there's plenty of things going on uh, politics wise, uh, uh, presidential campaigns, uh, every, you know, Chris Christie decided to uh, run for president again. I don't know what the rationale is. Uh, Tim Scott uh, ran and then was over on the view and uh, they had trouble trying to be um, mean and racist to the black guy. Uh, and he, I thought he handled that pretty well, but uh, you wrote this week's column, John Schlafly, liberal colleges should assume the burden of student debt. All right. Well, walk us through this, John. Welcome back. Well, this, the issue of, you know, the enormous mountain of uh, unpaid student loans or debt, which is overhanging millions of Americans. I mean, this is a long running issue. Yeah. And as you know, it's been pending ever since Biden came in there. He promised to, of course, the progressives really wanted to have free college for everyone. Now, they didn't right. get that. But Biden's. Right. Then they wanted him to forgive all student loans. Well, Biden finally came out with what progressives thought was a small effort, limited to $20,000 per person. But, you know, he had no authority to do that. And that case is before the Supreme Court, uh, 
uh, we only have, what, three weeks left for the Supreme Court to render its decision. They'll almost certainly declare they had no right to do that. But without waiting for that, Congress basically voted down what Biden did. Now, you might wonder, how could that even happen? Uh, Don't we have a Democratic Congress? Right. Well, it turns out that recent actions of the administration can be challenged in what's under the Congressional Review Act, which can come to a vote in both houses and requires only a simple majority in the Senate instead of 60 votes. Hmm. And wouldn't you know that three Democrats, three Democratic senators voted with all Republicans to overturn Biden's student loan bailout. And those three Democrats just happened to be, I'm sure it's just a fluke, Ed, Right. But they happen to be three, three Democrats right. who are up for re-election next oh, year. Oh, imagine that, imagine that. In states that Trump carried. Oh, imagine and, that. Uh, so imagine that, yeah. yeah so that's that. telling you right there that the public does not support this. You'd think that this might be, free money might be something that the public supports. But <clears throat> I'd say Republicans have won the messaging on this. Yeah. The uh, majority uh, of people do not think it was a good idea. Well, and $1.78 trillion in student loan debt, okay, um, is what 43.5 million Americans are suffering with. So that part of it is, that's a big constituency uh, that, and I think it's uh, the, the Democrats were betting uh, that, and as you point out, it looks like more like a couple hundred million Americans don't want this to happen. So there you have it. But John, your idea, which I think is really a helpful one, is, you know, you you can't just make it go away. This is one of the things about this. It was so, so stupid of President Biden to do it this way. As if you wave your hand and say the debt goes away, someone pays. In other words, if the bank loses the loan, they pay. In this case, who's made the money? The money went out of the U.S. Treasury almost always in the form of these loans or guarantees to these universities. So the, the universities are not upset if you do it the way uh, Biden did it, that the loans got forgiven because they already got the money. They didn't say the loans are forgiven. You won't get paid. They already got the money. They already got the tuition pay. Payments. Your point here is, okay, most of these universities have huge endowments, right? Let them pay back the money that's owed. I, I like that. Um, I thought some of that was being done through a tax on endowments, right? Um, what, what else did you propose here? Well, uh, there is no real uh, plan on the table to make that happen, but you know, we've got to talk about it and come up with a plan. I see. Um, you know, I don't think we... I could be wrong, but you say a tax on endowments, uh, that's something that's been talked about. Did that actually pass? I'm not sure about that. But in any case, it's not earmarked to paying off student loans. But what we did point out, Ed, in the column is that so many of the uh, people who borrowed money for college and are now saddled with debt didn't get anything for it. Right. They maybe attended some classes, right. but they never earned a degree. Right. And people who basically ran up debt. Uh, you know, it's like putting debt on your credit card to buy something, but then you don't get what you bought. Right. Because, you know, college without a degree doesn't really benefit you. Mm-hmm. And yet we've got tens of millions of Americans who are in that situation. I feel sorry for them. You know, the colleges should not have encouraged them to do that. Uh, they should have been, uh, they should have made sure that they only admitted students who were able to do college-level work. You know, you start with that. You know, only a third of Americans 
have a college bachelor's degree. Now, you know, so that is that is a slice of the American people. Not everyone uh, is, I hate to say it, but smart enough to go to college. I mean, that's just reality. And people used to understand that, uh, uh, you know, college work was for a minority of people, a small slice of people who were able to do that highly abstract academic work, who could write coherently, and uh, who could do math at beyond the high school level. Right. And, you know, the majority of Americans can't do that. I'm sorry, but they can't. I mean, you, in fact, you know, we're graduating people from high school who can't really do high school work. That's shown by the National Assessment, Assessment of Educational Progress, where less than a majority of 11th graders are even proficient at high school work. That right. that uh, that doesn't even begin to do college work. So, but unfortunately, so many of those people were, you know, basically misled into thinking that if only they go to college, uh, they'll earn high salaries. Well, it's not that easy. It just doesn't work. Well, and now millions of those people are saddled with debt because and, and debt that cannot be discharged in bankruptcy thanks to Joe Biden when he was in the U.S. Senate. And he put through the bankruptcy bill about 20 years ago, which provided that student loan debt cannot be discharged in bankruptcy. So, I mean, if anybody is concerned about that, you know, Biden is the man to, to blame. Yeah, I would talk with John Schlafly. His column is uh, over at uh, townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. The Phyllis Schlafly Report, liberal colleges should assume the burden of student debt. Um, John is, uh, so uh, does, 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 does President, Pre- President Biden had to sign this because it was in the debt bill? Is that what happened? Or, or was it a standalone bill? Oh, sign. No, no. He, as, as far as the Congressional Review Act resolution oh. to cancel the bailout, oh. no, uh, that would, does have to be signed. And Biden has already said he's not going to sign it. He's oh, going to veto see. it. Okay. So, so, so it's that not... will not actually, oh. ultimately, will not actually take effect if he follows through on his promise to veto it. But, you know, what I think is going to happen that in, you know, in the next couple of weeks, possibly Thursday of this week, which is the next day the Supreme Court holds a session, the Supreme Court is going to knock it out, and that will basically, right. I think, you know, end end the issue. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. Yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, at the end of the day, then what really you had was let's be fair. Um, the Democrats engineered a vote for Democrats to try to look like they're um, against something that became wildly unpopular. I mean, and that, I guess that was your early point in this was that the Republicans the, or the conservative position on this has won the day. You, you know, when they're doing that kind of theater, uh, uh, theatrical vote, that that's what that's done. I, I didn't quite catch that. I'm sorry. That, that Does that sound right? Does that sound right? That does sound Right, Ed. Ed, usually I, I defer for you to the political impact of everything, but I think you're right there. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, all right. Now, John, um, I, 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 the elephant in the room, lots of talk online. Again, who knows if it's true about Trump being uh, being um, indicted either in Georgia 
or in 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 DC. I want to give you credit. I've done it before. I don't think you're seizing the credit appropriately. The president of the United States, former president of the United States, Donald Trump, he keeps using the phrase election interference on his Truth Social account, which is a phrase that I think you started with Andy Schlafly in the in the weekly Schlafly report about a year and a half ago, talking about all these investigations. Where where are we? What do you know? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I don't know who was the first, but it certainly, I mean, how could it be otherwise than the idea of indicting the leading candidate for president, you know, by, by, by Biden, or I should put it a different way, if Joe Biden running for election can essentially arrest his opponent? Right. I mean, what kind of a country do we have? And so the Georgia thing has now been advertised for the first week in August, but the Justice Department... Uh, but which is controlled by Biden is has a summoned the grand jury for later for this week, Thursday, I think. And so it could happen as soon, I think, uh, as Thursday. And uh, all the leaks suggest that uh, the Justice Department is preparing to indict Trump for obstruction of justice, but not for mishandling of classified documents. And that's the way they think they can get away with saying Trump is somehow different from Biden and Pence, who also mishandle classified documents. So they don't want to indict Trump for the exact same thing that Biden did, even though Biden was worse. So they've come up with a... Yeah, a rather convoluted thing. First of all, of course, they have, nobody understands what obstruction of justice even means. And it's one of these abstract concepts that only lawyers and not even most lawyers understand. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing to understand that the Justice Department regards it as extremely severe and it carries heavy penalties, long prison terms. It's really worse, much worse. The charge of obstruction of justice is treated much more harshly than many other crimes. Mm. And so it's a very serious thing. And if they do drop that uh, bomb bomb on Trump, you know, we're we're in for a real battle royale. Hmm. All right, John. Well, we'll have to take that up next week because I'm out of time. John Schlafly, as always, insightful. That was very helpful context. Um, we will be back. Actually, let me say thank you to Noah Dingley and Ryan Hyde, our producers, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, wrapping things up today, let me say uh, thank you to uh, so many of you for tuning in. And, and you know, I wanted to point you in a direction. Earlier uh, this week, I had a chance to go to lunch with John Lenzowski. He's the founder uh, and the former president, the chancellor of uh, the Institute of World Politics. Been around for about 40 years now. And it's a graduate school of national security, intelligence, and international affairs. If you go to their website, it's iwp.edu, iwp.edu. Uh, you'll, uh, you'll be interested. Just a fascinating place. And, and here's what I was, uh, what made me think of it. I was speaking with him about the Monroe Doctrine, which as my listeners know is something that I, I care a lot about and the continuing validity of the Monroe Doctrine. And he brought up and we talked about how the Monroe Doctrine and its Understanding the understanding of the Monroe Doctrine, its history is particularly applicable to the question of the communist Chinese regime 
and how the Chinese are influencing America, infiltrating America, it feels like, but also influencing. And he gave me one of his articles, an essay he wrote to, called Conquest Without War, uh, the Threat of Chinese Political Influence Operations. Well, my point here in telling you this is, first of all, check out his work. Check out the work that they do over at the Institute of World Politics. Very cool. All kinds of folks there. That study there as students, that lecture there. A lot of folks that were former State Department. Uh, John himself was a Reagan White House guy on the National Security Council. Lots of military guys uh, in the, in the, and gals uh, that go through uh, the school, the Institute of World Politics, get graduate degrees or whatever. So really interesting. But also, I want to tell you, it's not just my... Wonderful thoughts, my brainstorming. Uh, John, the, the, John Lenzowski agreed the Monroe Doctrine and the 200th anniversary, which comes up in just a few months, December of this year, is well worth our focus, our attention to bring to light the issues of the infiltration of America uh, by the communist Chinese regime. So I was encouraged. I encourage you again, go to uh, check it out at iwp.edu is our website, and uh, we'll have a lot more on the Monroe Doctrine. I hope in the coming months as we get ready to celebrate it and understand its relevance in our world and in our nation and for our national security. As always, thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Ryan Hyde, associate producer, and thank you for listening. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email there, and we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Thanks for listening. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.